Welcome to STEM Four's podcast, Understanding Teen Minds, where we explore the world of teenage mental health, looking at everything from signs and symptoms to early intervention. STEM Four is a charity that promotes positive mental health in teenagers and those who support them. This includes their families and carers, education professionals, as well as school nurses and GPs. STEM Four's mission is to foster the development of good mental health in teenagers by enhancing early understanding and awareness, and providing mental health education and resilience strategies. Join us as we open up the conversation on young people's mental health. Hello, and welcome to STEM Four Podcasts. Thank you so much for joining me today. My name is Dr. Nahara Krause, and I am the CEO and founder of STEM4, a teenage mental health charity based in London. I'm also a consultant clinical psychologist with many years of experience in a variety of mental health settings and a passion for improving the mental health of our young people. In today's episode, we're going to look at some common signs of self-esteem issues in boys and young men and outline some steps parents and carers can take to support them. So first of all, just a recap on what self-esteem is. Self-esteem is the way in which we perceive ourselves. So it's based on our own opinions and also on the opinions and beliefs of others. And this self-perception can be about relationships, how likable or acceptable we are. It can be body-based, ability-based, or popularity-based. Now, there are four main areas that self-esteem difficulties affect, and they include the areas of emotions, how it makes a person think about themselves, behavior, and their relationships. So some of these are less visible as parents and carers, so we don't really always find out uh, what emotions people might be having about their self-esteem. We don't always find out what thoughts they might have that make them believe themselves to be the person they are. Uh, But we do see their behaviours and we do worry about the relationship choices that they might make. And so inevitably, as parents and carers, we address what we see. But we often lose the opportunity to really engage and work impactfully with our young people if we don't just keep in mind those underlying factors. What emotions do self-esteem or having low self-esteem generate? What thoughts does it generate? So I'm going to start with those first and look at what you can do to help manage those or identify those and shape your behavior accordingly and then focus on how to manage self-esteem-generated behaviours and friendship issues. So if we look at emotions, having low self-esteem generates many difficult, uncomfortable emotions. If you feel less than, or not as good as, then you feel embarrassed. You feel worried, perhaps, about who you might be and how likable you might be. And, of course, you often can feel ashamed. Now, young people don't like to hold on to difficult emotions, such as these particularly, for many reasons. First of all, their brains aren't wired to hold on to pain. Secondly, they don't have the experience that 
difficult feelings can be overcome or that they don't last. Thirdly, they're developing a sense of who they are, and so they become a bit fearful that this is the person they are going to be stuck with, someone who has low self-esteem. And finally, they've got to get on with dealing with the challenges in life, such as going to school and doing exams, and so they very quickly transfer any feelings they might have about low self-esteem into behaviours which they think might work for them. The problem is many of these behaviours are short-term helps. They don't often work in the long term. So with regards to thinking about emotions, it's really important that you keep these emotions in mind when you try and address some of the difficulties that you might want to within this area. If you're embarrassed, then you don't really want to talk about the thing that's embarrassing you. And you also don't want a fuss made over it. So if you're trying to address this with your young person, it's likely that they won't want to talk to you about it and they definitely won't want to make a fuss over it. Also, if they think that you're letting you down as a parent because you think highly of them, then they will be even less likely or want to discuss it with you. If they admire you and feel like they're letting you down, then those conversations are also going to be very difficult. So what I would say is think about the words you use when you address it. If you start off with things like, that's such a shame you've let yourself down. I can't understand why you're so clever and yet you act in such a non-clever way around those friends. Then those sorts of comments will make them feel even smaller. So you may want to start to explore what they might be embarrassed about by doing something that is joint and shared. You may even want to share any difficult feelings you might have had about yourself when you were in a team and be sensitive in your approach to these difficulties. The other hidden area will be around the, the self-beliefs or the negative self-beliefs that young people have about themselves. Now, you might sometimes notice it if they are very self-critical. Um, but sometimes they might be thinking in a very self-critical way, but not always necessarily voicing it. So self-criticism is often related to young people who have very high expectations of themselves or believe that people around them, whether that's parents and carers or school or grandparents, but that they believe that they have very high expectations of them. And so they then feel as though they're failing that standard. Sometimes it might also be related to real life experiences of people being critical of them. So if you are going to engage with them, Keep in mind the emotions that might be going on, but also those self-critical thoughts. Because if you say something that sounds critical, that will then be taken on board and it'll add to the very self-critical framework the person thinks of. So if they are saying to you, oh, I'm so stupid, then just think a little bit about avoiding saying, no, you're not. Or if they say, I'm fat, then again, Avoid initially saying, how can you be so stupid and say you're fat? Of course, can you not see that you're really too thin? Because firstly, what the person hears 
is that you're dismissing them when they're really upset and worried about something. Or they might think you're criticizing them for thinking in that particular way. So engage with them, engage with emotion. So it might be about saying to them, if you think you're stupid, you know, how does that, how does that affect you? What do you tend to do? Um, does that sort of make you feel a bit more embarrassed when you're with friends? What's it like when you're talking to your brother who, uh, you know, might be, might have just come home with some really good exam results. Just try and find out what it's like to have the beliefs that they have. And then work out with them what sorts of evidence they might be basing their views on. Because often that self-criticisms and self-beliefs might come out of feelings, not necessarily through real life experiences, but it's helpful to get them to generate those beliefs that they have and what they're based on. And then work on a pros and cons approach. So you might want to say to them, okay, so you believe that you are uh, stupid kind of let's look at how that might work to your advantage in this situation. Let's look at how it might work work to your disadvantage. And through trying to get them to look at pros and cons, it might be that it's more engaging because you're still listening to them, but you're trying to get them to alter their view. You might also want them to start to generate some evidence that disputes their view. So if they say I'm fat, then to start to look at areas that might generate the, a belief that that's actually not correct. So how different are you in body shape to your friends? If you want to go down that route and you might need to be very careful about this, or let's have a think about what, you know, trouser size you wear and think about whether that's different. It, it's a medium. So a medium can't mean that you're fat. So you can start to help them to generate some uh, evidence against it. Uh, but be very aware of how entrenched that belief might be. And it might be that they could get a bit of help and support to try and change that from someone other than you. So what you will notice as parents and carers when a young person has got low self-esteem are various behaviours. Now, the most noticed behaviours focus on the ones that deny difficult feelings. So, for example, you might have a young person pretending to be overconfident by being cheeky or acting up or acting out or being very risky or reckless. And certainly, as parents and carers, this is difficult to deal with. First, it's really hard to decode. Is your cheeky teenager who screams at you or gets into trouble really suffering or experiencing self-esteem issues or do they need to learn the rules of discipline? So your first step will be to try and find out a bit about what's happening when they show this behavior. So rather than focusing on the behavior itself, try and connect in a way that has meaning for them. So boys often try and respond much better to conversations around their interests and passions or over something light and jokey rather than sitting and talking about something deep and meaningful. Now, this might be hard to implement if they've just behaved badly. But if the conversation you want to generate is an interesting one and you say to them something like, did you know that people rolling their eyes often is because they want to have a break from what's going on? So let's just have a break ourselves and do something. Or you might want to say something like, could you please rewind and tell me again, this time without shouting, so that I can listen rather than get distracted by the rude words that you might want to say. 
Or you might want to point out a discrepancy such as, I'm hearing you're cross, but I'm seeing that you're a bit sore. So when I feel two emotions at the same time, I find it much easier just to calm down by, you know, giving myself a little puzzle to do or by going for a walk. Why don't we try that? So that's much more of a better way to engage them rather than engaging them on some sort of behavior. And then once you've got them talking, try not to get angry or to put them down. So in this instance, a carrot will work better than a stick. So focus on a strength that will help them to build a positive sense of self-esteem. Try and get them to practice those behaviors, maybe do them together or join an activity which will help them to practice building some confidence skills. Um, and then also provide them with some alternative behaviors that they can put into practice. Another form of behavior that you might notice if your young person has low self-esteem is an increase in risk behavior. So have a, have a think about this statement. What does it matter what I do? I don't matter, so I might as well. So pushing things to a limit sometimes is because they feel like it doesn't really matter anyway. They're at their worst point. So again, as parents, you need to understand this. Taking risks is part of growing up. Testing limits and abilities are all, again, part of normal teen growing up behaviors. Increased risk behavior that's persistent, that's reckless, that poses harm to a young person may be generated from low self-esteem. So first steps that you can take with this is firstly to set some agreed boundaries to keep them safe whilst managing the causes of the behavior. So if they are doing something really risky, like, I don't know, um, walking down the train tracks with friends, then of course you would want to set some uh, agreed boundaries on what's acceptable, what's not acceptable, how you want them to check in on you, always giving them reasoning behind it, but work with them along the same time in terms of thinking about why they might be doing what they're doing. So is it to show their friends that they are not scared? Is it to be the one who challenges and gets them to admire them because they're doing something different? So really try and understand what that might be indicating to them and provide them with some alternative solutions. I just also want to mention that if you have a young person who has a diagnosis of attention deficit hyperactivity disorder or ADHD, they will tend to be more impulsive and sensation seek. But also having a diagnosis like ADHD makes it much harder for you. And so you may also be experiencing low self-esteem. So this group of young people will need even more support from you and understanding to help manage impulsivity. There are two other types of behavior that also can be shown when a young person has got low self-esteem. So the first of this is to opt out of things or not try new things. And I, I'm sure you can understand that because if you're going to try and do something new, you might be more likely not be very good at it or you might fail. And if you have got low self-esteem, you don't want to be not good at something else and you absolutely don't want to fail. So one of the things you might want to do is to kind of encourage them to do things that are out of their comfort zone, but to do them one small step at a time and to maybe do model ways in which you do things that 
are also under your comfort zone. So indicate to them how you deal with failure um, and how you might learn from that response or what it might be like or how it doesn't really matter if you're the worst possible archer, you know, in archery, if that's sort of one of the activities that you're both going to do outside of your comfort zone and help them to change their expectations so that getting things right one step at a time, learning that if they've kind of got something wrong, it's probably because they've taken too many steps all at the same time is a really helpful way to help them to start doing new things so that they can build confidence through that. And the other type of behavior I wanted to mention that also is connected to low low self-esteem is withdrawal or isolation. So again, part of being a teen is to start to become independent. And sometimes this might be reflected in a young person spending more time on their own. They may suddenly not want to join in family activities. They might perhaps say that they've got better interests they want to follow. Now, this is very different to withdrawal. The withdrawal that you might want to start to notice is when there's a lack of engagement with family, with friends, that they're not doing activities they usually enjoy. And because withdrawal can be a sign of depression, you might want to keep an eye on it. But in terms of the topic of low self-esteem, just try and think a little bit about whether they lack social confidence, whether they're worried about their body, whether they perhaps might be socially anxious about doing something and whether that might be leading them to withdraw from something. So, for example, there's a party happening, they don't know what to wear, they're worried about perhaps being seen as the person who, you know, is the younger one of the group and so they go, I don't want to go to it. So that would be the sort of area where low self-esteem would be playing into that behavior. So try and identify where their lack of social confidence might be. So you might want to talk to them about their school friends, what they like about them, what they're uncertain about, uh, what they like about themselves, what their friends maybe admire about them. Uh, Try and pick up on any any self-criticism and then try and help them to start to Uh, work on building on areas of confidence. It might be that they benefit from knowing some icebreakers as conversation starters, for example. Um, If you suspect that their withdrawal is because of physical quality, so for example, they're worried about being Uh, maybe a bit more um, overweight as compared to their friendship group or perhaps if they have a delayed growth spurt uh, and they're shorter than or less muscular than some of their friends then those feelings of difference might be some of the discussions that you want to have but again keep in mind that these will be incredibly embarrassing difficult uh, conversations so you might want to just do it over a game uh, that playing a game or uh, doing some sort of other activity that they like being prepared always to see it as a series of conversations and that you're ready to back off if it looks like they are sort of uh, a bit bit reluctant to discussing it but that you might want to approach it differently. You can also comment on it through books that you they read together or indeed on a television program that you watch, um, just sort of reflecting a little on the emotional impact of what it might be like to have a physical quality that makes you not feel so good about yourself. So the next area that self-esteem might affect is uh, choosing negative Um, kind of groups of friendships. So 
when young people have difficulty making friends because they don't feel particularly good about themselves, when they form a friendship, they're not going to let go of it. And it might be that actually that friendship group is not always the best for them. Because if you don't think positively about yourself, there is a chance that you're more likely to choose people who also reflect that and don't think very positively about you or don't treat you that well and you then don't find it that easy to defend yourself. So building self-esteem takes time and it starts with understanding the choices you make. So if you're worried about a friendship group they, they have, telling them not to see them will be not the way forward. But perhaps just discuss with them and say, you know, you you always look a bit down when you come back having seen them. Have you kind of, have you observed that? What, what was sort of happening today? What worked? What were you a little bit worried about when you were seeing them? So keep connecting, keep uh, having discussions with them, keep providing them with opportunities to learn what meaningful friendships and helpful, supportive friendships look like. And that might be connecting them to a range of other friendship opportunities. Um, um, and also model how good friendships might be in terms of your own friendships so that they can again start to observe and look and listen. Now, in this area of friendships, if you have too much uh, self-confidence or self-esteem, that can also impact negatively. So I think if they are too confident in friendships so that they've become overbearing or bossy or they can't hold on to friends, then again, it might be helpful to get them to start to reflect a little on uh, how to put themselves in other people's shoes, to encourage them to do things where they're not so confident so that they can become a bit more empathetic to what it might be like to not be as confident as they might be and direct them towards being able to, again, look and learn and listen about good friendships. I hope you found today's episode helpful. If you did, then please do leave us a great review wherever you get your podcasts. If you'd like more information, you can find a wealth of resources on our website at stem4.org.uk. And you can also follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook and LinkedIn at stem4.org. Links to our website and our five free apps designed specifically for young people can be found in podcast description. I hope you'll join us for our next episode. Until then, keep well. Goodbye.